theyeshiva.net. Welcome, Bruchem Aboyim, Bruchem Aboyim. I forgot to welcome the second and third shift, so welcome everybody. I only welcome the first shift. <laughs> We've been here forever, you mean. We've been here forever. Okay. Since Purim is coming, so I thought we'll learn something on Purim. This is a Maimah from the Balatanya. Um, go to page. Uh, let me see which page number it is, because I'm using another one. Very, very interesting stuff here. So it'll be 186 if they make copies from this, right? Now go to page, page, page uh, 195. 195. You see Chayev Inish with some of the Poria. You see 195. Okay, this is a sefer called Torah Oir. Torah Oir, I'll just give a very brief skir, a very brief overview. It's a sefer from the Balatanya, the Hashulchan Aruch. And uh, it basically compiles discourses, what's known as Maimorim, that he would say Shabbos and Yom Tif. Um, on the Parsha, Torah is on Bereshit Shmois, including on the Yom Tovim, like Chanukah and Purim. And then there's a second say for the Kutta Torah, which is Vayikra, Bamid, Bedvarim, and Shirashir. And it's basically um, different discourses that he said Shabbos and Yom Tif, either on the Parsha or on the Yom Tif, in which he articulated some of the fundamental ideas of Hasidus in his own inimitable style. He did not write himself. The Tanya he wrote himself, Shukhabarach he wrote himself. These Maimarim, he had different writers. Uh, there were generally speaking, there were uh, a few uh, different writers of the Balatanya's Maimarim. He had uh, five five writers. Number one, he had his brother. His brother's name was Rabbi Yehuda Leib. They called him the Maharil. He wrote a sefer called Charles Atrubis Sha'eris Yehuda. Shut Sha'eris Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, was his name Maharil. He wrote. Then he had his son, his Pcher, who succeeded him, is known as the Mittler Rebbe, Reb Dov Ber. He also wrote. He had a third person who wrote, his youngest son, whose name was Reb Moshe. He also wrote. Later, his grandson grew older, the Tzamach Tzedek, his daughter's son. He also started to write. And then he had a Chassid, whose name was Reb Pinchas Reuzes. He also wrote. So he had different writers. And some of them, I marim, you'll actually have three versions, four versions, five versions from different writers, and it's fascinating to compare. Do we know who wrote what? Yeah, we know the style. No, we know the style of writing. We know the style. The Mittler Rebbe elaborates more. The Pinchas Reuzes is Mamish word for word. Everybody has their style. So you could literally, it's very interesting because you could compare one mimer and see it from three, four different perspectives. Now, you know, today everything is taped and so forth, even Shabbos that you're dealing with a few hundred years ago, people didn't write a lot. You have other Hasidic groups, they have one Sefer, two Svarim, right? Uh, the Balatanya, almost every word that he said was written. So that's why there's a huge Oitzit, there's literally dozens of Svarim, Mamash dozens of Svarim. And uh, to compare the different versions of one Maimon from different writers is very interesting. Most of Torah art is what his brother wrote, Rabbi Yehuda Leib. In fact, he used to pay his brother a salary in order to write everything. Because the Balatanya understood what you don't write is not going to stay. So he actually paid him a salary to, uh, to write everything. So he, mo- he looked it over? He did, yeah, I was just going to say, he, he reviewed some it? Some of them he reviewed and some of them he did not. Some of them he did not. But they were generally reliable. And then his grandson, the Tzamach Tzedek, published them all after he passed away. And he reviewed them all. He reviewed them all. 
Okay. Why was it split Tehran and the Kitamar? That was simply for legal reasons. They closed down the printing press and they couldn't print. They, they needed a, an excuse to print it. If it would have been a continuation of the old one, the censor wouldn't allow it, so they had to change the name. It was pure legal purposes. But the Tzamech Tzedek printed them both. This Maimer, Chayev Inish Lopsameh Bepurya, was said in the year Tovkuf Ayin Aleph on Purim, which means literally two years, a year and a half before he passed away, one of his last years. Purim Tovkunav Aleph, that would be in English, it would be 18, uh, 18, uh, 1811. We actually have three versions of this Maimer, but this is the one that's, that's, uh, that exists in Torah. Now, I just want to give a, uh, a very brief intro before we begin inside. Um, uh, how do people treat the concept of Purim? Generally, in Svarim, we have very much caution against hulalus, against uh, frivolousness and lightheadedness. On Purim, yet, the Chazal say it's a mitzvah to become drunk, it's a mitzvah to become inebriated, it's a mitzvah to become intoxicated. Um, uh, some have understood that Purim is like the Jewish day when you just, uh, you know, you just let people. Uh, Let's let go and go back to their base instincts. Just one day, you know. It's the one day that uh, everything all, goes. all of Israel becomes religious. What? It's the one day all of Israel becomes religious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just let people, you know, loose. There's no, uh, there's no much, uh, just, just no inhibitions. No inhibitions whatsoever. Um, uh, this Maimer... The Balatanya discusses the deeper meaning of what it really means on Purim Adaloyada. And as it turns out, that it's quite a serious day. What I mean by a serious day, not a serious, a sad day, a very, very happy day, but the happiness is of a very, very deep nature. It's not a day that's more frivolous than other days. In many ways, it's deeper than any other day. It's more intense. Just the intensity is not an intensity in terms of... Uh, introspection and remorse and repentance and you know harshness it's tremendous joy but there's a very very deep quality in Adelaide that he's going to uh, he's going to explain so let's start in song <coughs> the Gemara says in the Megillah that uh, Rav says it's a mitzvah, it's a, it's an obligation to become inebriated on Purim until you don't know the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mardachai. Why is it that the Simcha of Purim is greater than all other Yamim Taivim? So you might say Jews were saved, and by Mitzrayim they weren't saved, they were also saved. Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was also a major simcha. Kriyas Yamsuf also saved them. And etc. All the Yom Tovim. the event, the Jews were saved. And also, Mitzad the Halachas. They're not even Asur, they're Asur to work. Where in Purim, it's a much more physical day, because you could still work. The Gemara tells a story in Megillah Dafhei, that Mardachai actually wanted Purim to be Asab Malacha. But the Chazal didn't accept it. They said, At Khan, we're not going to do it. And nonetheless, which he's going to discuss later, nonetheless, Purim, somehow the Simcha became greater than any other Yomtev. To the point that nobody says by any Yomtev, Chayavinish Lipsume, on Pesach, on Shvuas, on Sukkot, on Simchas on Hanukkah, the only time on Purim. Simon Tzadines, it wasn't the only time Jews were saved. It wasn't only at Salah. 
and Faket, then there were bigger Nisim, open Nisim that didn't happen on Purim, and also Matzada Halacha, they were they're much more spiritual days. Purim is a much more material day. It's a physical, like more chayil. The Yuvim Bahagdim Inyan Vekibala Yehudim Asashayachelu Lasas. The pasuk says in the Megillah that the Jewish people accepted on Purim what they began to do. So Chazal say Asashayachelu Lasas the Pirush Shechelu Haynu B'Shas Matan Taira. What they began to do by Matan Taira they now finally accepted. The Gemara says in Shabbos on the Pasuk, They affirmed that which they once accepted. The Gemara says in Shabbos, By Matan Teirah Hashem put the mountain over their head like an overturned vat, and He coerced them into the relationship. And that's why the Gemara says... The whole Torah was really coerced upon the Jewish people, and therefore they have an excuse if they don't keep it. They have what's called Omeidah Rabbah, which means a large declaration of coercion. They re-accepted it willingly. So in other words, Purim was a reinstatement, a reenactment of Matan Torah, but with a difference. Then it was coerced, and now it was voluntary. What is the Moidah in halacha, there's a term called Moiser Maida. Let's say somebody forces me to sell them a home by gunpoint. So I have to be Moiser Maida. In other words, I basically let know that this was forced. So later, in front of Adem, huh? that this was a coerced transaction, and therefore I could always reclaim it. So the Gemara says, Mikan From this Gemara, we learn that there's a Maida Rabba, there's a major testimony of coercion about the whole Torah. That the whole Torah was basically given by force, because Hashem came with a mountain over our heads, so we really didn't have a choice. So therefore, if you violate it, you could say, listen, I never really uh, consented to the relationship. But by Purim, they finally accepted it willingly. That means close to a thousand years, the whole Torah apparently was coerced. But Tzarech Lahavin, why is it Kafale Markigigis is called more oinus than Achashvesh? You could say the same thing. The reason they did Shuva by Purim is because they were frightened for their life. That's not a mountain over your head. When you have a Haman and Achashvesh who want to kill out every Jew and they say, listen, we got to do Shuva in order to avert a decree. That's not called a mountain. That's Mabash a mountain over your head. So this is called an oinus. And suddenly this is called free will. This wasn't free will. So of course it was an oinus. What's well, Pshat in the Gemara? He may, huh? When was the Kabbalah? The He's learning apparently that it was the tshuva that happened after the Gzeda. Again, there was a whole year between the Gzeda and the Ness, right? I mean, Haman was hung right away, but as I said before, <laughs> Tilyud Gimalad, it was almost it was 11 months. <laughs> Decree was was for Jewish people, right? Yeah, but, to, to, to destroy uh, I mean, them. I don't know, right? I don't know. I mean, in, in other times in history, when we had a decree like that, you know, uh, it was it was converted or die uh, only until only Hitler was the one who said your generation is going back, right? So what was the decree over here? You can convert and like not be Jewish anymore, and then you're not off. The it seems that way. Time. It seems that way. Okay, yeah. so then, it says that. Yeah. Then, it's, then there's more free will because then they can instead of doing Jew, they can just. Stop 
I don't know if I would call that free will, but I guess there was a there was a there was you're right there was an availability. So to understand this, let's understand what Matan Torah is. Gemara says, a famous Gemara, fortunate is the one who comes here to Gan Eden, the Talmudai Biyadai. So Gemara in Psachim Dafnun, Ashrei Mishabalakan, the Talmudai, his Talmud is in his hand. Asks the Balatanya, like the Gan Eden, Miss Angim Migilui Oirin Saif Barachal. Gan Eden is not a physical place. Gan Eden is a place where one delights from the revelation of in, the light of infinity of Hashem. The schar of Gan Eden is that the Neshama enjoys the Ziv HaShchina. So we say the only way you can do that is if you come with Talmudai Biyadeh. What's Talmudai? The halachas of Torah that we learned in this world which relate usually to physical things. You're learning about an egg that was born on Yom Tif. You're learning about an ox that gored a bull. You're learning about two people fighting over a cloak. Whatever you're learning about, but it's relating to physical things. It's not relating to revealed godly things. And yet we say that this is the only way you can experience Gan Eden when there's no relationship between the two. Another thing we have to understand is Mashamur Razal, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, Somebody who could learn Torah and does not, on him the Pasuk says, he degraced, he, uh, he was disgraceful to the word of Hashem and the soul will be cut off. <laughs> Is that Tamua Lachayr? It's very strange. The Meachar Shemishi Yevshalei Lasik B'Tayra Kol Kach Yoytzi Yedei Chivasi B'Perek Echad Shachas B'Perek Echad Arvis Im Kain Lama Yia Yevshalei Lasik Veini Yosek Godel Avayne Kol Kach Loimen Alav Yikaras Tikaras. The Allah is if somebody doesn't have the time or the ability to learn Torah, he could be Yoytzi. The Gemara says one chapter in the morning and one chapter in the evening, and that's fine. So how could you say that somebody who does, who can, and yet? So, uh, sometime he doesn't do it. So it's so serious to say, Dvar Hashem, Bozzi, he's embarrassing Dvar Hashem. I mean, you see that it's all relative. For another person, it's completely not obligated. So this person who is obligated, if he doesn't, such harsh words, it seems a little, uh, you know, a little dramatic. To the point that it's, he cut us to cut us on the explanation in all of this is, so in summation he asked why Purim is greater than all the holidays. He introduced that Purim is the completion of Matan Torah when there was force. He asked that by Purim L'chayra there was also force. And he starts explaining that we have to discuss Torah and Matan Torah. And he brings two Maimari Chazal that need explanation. Number one, Ashrei Misha Bolakan and number two, if you could learn or not, it's a definition of Dvar Hashem Bas. the explanation is, and here he goes off on a long journey, which will then return to the original discussion of Purim. The Torah is called in Tanakh Moshul HaKadmoini a very interesting expression he's going to say Kamashikasov the Pasuk says in Shmuel Aleph Kasher Yoimar Moshul HaKadmoini Merishoyim Yetzei Resha Hu Mashikasov Lekim Inaliyadeh as the early Moshul HaKadmoini as the Moshul HaKadmoini the primordial Moshul says from the wicked comes wickedness and that's why it says, Rashi brings us in Parshish Meshpatim, very famous marshal, that 
Moshul HaKadmoyni, which is Torah, is called Moshul HaKadmoyni. Hashem is called Kadmoyn. He was before everybody. Moshul HaKadmoyni means the Torah is Hashem's Moshul. It's Hashem's metaphor. The Torah says, Merishoyim Yetzei Resha. Where does Torah say Merishoyim Yetzei Resha? Aleikim Inaliyade. Basically, if somebody kills somebody accidentally, he has to run away to Ari Miklot. So Chazal say, what is it talking about? Two people, one killed by mistake, and one killed willingly. And they both got away with it, and they end up in the same place. The one who killed B'Shoigig by mistake, kills the guy who killed B'Mezid. So he now has to go to Golis, and he gets killed. That's what that's what Chazal say. The Moshal Hakadmoni, which is Torah, says from Rishoyim, from Rishoyim Yetzei Rasha. Where does Torah say this? So Torah says this. Shloima has an expression in Mishlei to understand Moshal Melitza. What does this mean? The whole Torah is called Moshal HaKadmoni. It's a metaphor for the Kadman. What, is it, what does it mean? It's not like the whole Torah is metaphors and stories and riddles. L'hoven Moshal HaMelitza. V'inyin Kipirush HaKadmoni Hainu Kadmoni Shaloylam Shu'erin Seif Baruch The meaning of the word Kadmoni Hashem is called Kadmoni Shaloylam. Kadmoni Shaloylam means he comes before everything in the world. No beginning. Which refers to the presence of Hashem, Hashem Himself. So what is he saying? Literally, when we say Kadmain, we mean the fact that there's no beginning to Him. He was before everything. Right? Kids always ask, uh, how did the world come into being? Hashem. And how did Hashem come into being? So you say Hashem is a Kadman. What does a Kadman mean? That he's before everything. In other words, there's no time when he was non-existence. Because he's a Mechuyiv Hametzias. Everything else is an Afshari Hametzias. It could be here. It could not be here. Hashem is a Mechuyiv Hametzias, which means it's a necessary reality, intrinsically. So therefore, it's a Metzias that's always here. It's a type of reality that's always here. It's not that it had to be brought into existence. In ha- when you speak about Hashem Himself, there's also two aspects. Not in Hashem, but the way we talk about it. Number one is the flow that He puts into the worlds, the energy, the chiyus of Hashem in the worlds. And then there is Kivayachal Hashem Himself. So when you say Kadmoin, you mean the most Kadmoinish Aloylam, you mean in Elikus itself. As he's going to explain, kipchin is soiv of kalalmin umemalik kalalmin zeu mashenimshach b'menu yisbarich ha'ar elias chius lahaylamus. In Zayar it says there's something called soiv of kalalmin and memalik kalalmin. Soiv of kalalmin means he encompasses or surrounds the worlds. Memalik kalalmin means he fills the worlds. So he says this is all a ha'ar array. Which is a chius, it's life for the worlds. So this is somehow relatable to all the worlds. Even soiviv surrounds, it somehow surrounds the worlds. He gives life to the worlds, but it's what's called an ermakif, which literally means a surrounding light, a hovering light. 
a peripheral light. And then you have that which fills the world, that's a light that it's internalized. But his essence is completely not in the realm of worlds. You can't say on him that he encompasses, he surrounds the worlds. In other words, there is something that's relative to the world. This is what Chazal intimate when they say it's not only to the world, it's beyond the concept of being relatable to the world. It's called Mashla Kadmaini. It's a Mashal for this Kadman. The function of a Mashal is to understand the Nimshal. Allows you to experience a ray from the Ein Saif itself, which is beyond Mamale and Saiviv. It's not Begeder Almin, it's Kadmainoy Shalaylam. Taira is a mushal, just like a mushal helps you understand the Nimshal. Taira is a mushal that helps you get in touch with what? With Kadmainoy Shalaylam that transcends Mamale and Saiviv. And now that's what he's going to try to explain what this means. First of all, what is this Kadman versus Mamale and Saiviv? And what is this idea that Taira is going to. Going to introduce him to it. Is he saying that Torah is the mashal for the idea of what Kadmon means? Number one, and number one, and even more than that. Yes, and also number two. Now, when we say Mamale and Saiviv, it's important to understand what these two things mean, which he's now going beyond. The Zayhar says, In the literature of Kabbalah and Chsidis and such types of Svarim, these two terms are very frequent. Mamale Kalam and Saiviv Kalam. We give different terms. It doesn't mean Chas V'Sholem is one God. Hashem Echad. There's no, there's no hundreds of levels. But the way we experience it, we can define it in two ways. To give an example, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about a practical example. Anybody who runs a company knows that to run any co- anything, a company, an organization, a shul, a movement, a website, whatever it is, a family, whatever you want to run an operation, there has to be two experiences. One is a concept of mamale, and one is soiviv. One is you got to zoom in, and the second is you got to zoom out. You have to have a manager on the place who is in charge and focuses on every little detail. When the janitor comes in, and when he punches in, and when he punches out, who cleans the bathroom, who brings in the coffee, who opens the door, locks the door, who's in charge on the computer. If not, if not, it's not going to happen. But if you only have a person who's in charge of the nitty-gritty, every detail, managing every employee, why do you come late, why are you here, what are you doing today, what are you doing tomorrow? And you don't have somebody who can zoom out and look at the whole company from the bird's eye view, then you can get caught up in all of the details and actually lose your objective, lose your mission. And it happens constantly. You know, you could spend four hours trying to fix this when those four hours, if you would have just thrown out the machine, you know what I mean, and bought a new one, you would have made a lot more money. But instead, the next four months, you're busy fixing it because some people, that's their job. They just always zoom in. Now, both are important. You have people 
who are unbelievable visionaries. You know, they could come in and assess it and say this whole thing is going in the wrong direction. But if you only have that type of person in a company, you'll have great dreams. But the point is everybody's showing up 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, such types of places, right? The dreams are there, the dreams are grand, and there's great vision. So really you need an interaction of two very different skills and capacities. One focuses on every nuance, every detail. One doesn't see it as a company. One sees it, this is what I need from you right now for the next 10 minutes. This is what I need from you. And then there's somebody who actually stands outside, you know, call it a CEO, a CFO, whatever it is, or the retired uh, boss in in Svas or wherever he is, who, who could look at it generally and collectively and see the general picture and focus not on the detail, but more on the very direction of the entire experience. This is rooted in the fact that Kevayachal Bahashem, in his relationship with the world, is two pchinas. One is Mamala Kalaman, one is Saiv of Kalaman. Mamala Kalaman means he fills the worlds. Saiv of Kalaman means he surrounds the worlds. Now, it doesn't mean he surrounds that he, he's standing around the world. It's a concept, it's a metaphor, it's all a metaphor. Mamala Kalaman means the divine energy fills every nook and cranny, every nook and cranny, every nuance, every every detail of every element of the universe. We would call, say today, every atom, every molecule, every cell, every blade of grass, every grazing, every heartbeat, every drop of rain, every flake of snow has a whole life going on, a harmony and a synchronization. Mamala Kalaman fills every nekud. What's Sayyid of Kalaman? Sayyid of Kalaman also, also you run the world, but you surround it. It's like that, that uh, the CEO who's not going to tell you why did you come late today, rather stands back and sees the whole play, the whole thing as just one vision. For the manager on location, every employee is different. You deal with computers, and you deal with talking to people, and you answer telephones. For the of guy, he doesn't see the differences. He just sees, is this company accomplishing its goal is it productive, is it making money am I losing, am I gaining for him the janitor and the programmer genius in many ways are the same because if it's necessary for the company so then they're intrinsically necessary the Mamali guy can't look at it this way you know this guy is paying $400,000 a year this guy is paying you know three and a half dollars an hour if he can get away with it mm-hmm. for the Saivav guy he sees the whole perspective in, in, in history, it's both, you have both elements. You have Mamala, you have Saivav. In all of life, you have both elements. There's the way Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu fills the details of every life. But then there's Saivav Kalam, and Saivav Kalam is, so to speak, from outside, the vision of the world as one. Everybody is one. Everything is one. There's a general mission. But it still relates to the world. It's a much higher level of consciousness. It's seeing the world in a much more, uh, huh? a much bigger picture. But it's all how he relates to the worlds. Then there is Mashal HaKadmaini, which is Kadmaini Shalolim, which is Hashem Himself, beyond the company. The company doesn't define who he is. It's a beautiful company. We love this universe. But the company, it would be like the CEO, he has his own life. He has other investments. investments, he has a wife, he has children, he has his own intimate soul. It's true, he created this, but the creation doesn't capture all of him. doesn't define him, it doesn't reflect him. Torah begins with Mashallah Kadmani, which is Kadmani Shalom. This is what he's going to go on to. Continue Mitz Hashem tomorrow. So, we started to say 
that Torah is called Mashal Hakadmoini. What's Pshat Mashal Hakadmoini? The Pasuk calls Torah Mashal Hakadmoini in Shmuel. All of Torah is seen as a mashal, a metaphor. A metaphor for what? For kadmoini. Kadmoini from the word kadmoin means the, f- the first one, the primordial one, which is what Hashem is called kadmoin. And he explains that when we speak about Hashem, there is what's called mamala kalam, and he fills the world, soiviv kalam, and he encompasses the world. I explained yesterday two interactions with the world, one that deals with every detail independently, and one which includes everything as one. I gave the example of Lahavdal uh, of a company, two aspects of uh, you need a manager who deals with every detail, the nitty-gritty, and then somebody who oversees the entire operation and really just sees it as one large entity. And the same is true Kavayachal in life. There's two elements of life. There's the detail of life, now I do this, now I do this, now I do this. Today I have to do 20 things, I have 3 appointments, I have 10 meetings, I have this responsibility, that responsibility. And then there is having the ability to be able to zoom out and see the whole picture of your life. You know, where you're heading. Where do you want to be in 5 years, in 10 years, in 20 years? Huh? Macro, micro. Macro, micro. And both are critical if you only have... Uh, you know, macro, the big picture, so then the small picture becomes absolutely chaotic. You know, it's like a contractor who builds a home, and he says, who cares about the details, or why you're here, or why you're there, what's the difference? The main thing is it looks good. It can't function that way. On the other hand, if you only have the micro, so you can get so obsessed in the details, that you completely lose sight of your objective, of your mission statement, you know, you get completely caught up in... Uh, in managing every detail, which is important. So usually we divide it between different people. Different people have skills for different things. Some people only see big pictures. They don't see small pictures. They don't even notice details. Some people only notice details. They don't notice anything else. You know, they can come into the most amazing situation and they say, you know, the fork is in the wrong direction. And that's it. It destroys the whole bar mitzvah. Uh, you know, the napkin is the wrong color. So it's really, it's different chushim. It's different skills. And both are very relevant. It's just a marshal to explain that this all begins by Hashem, there's two relationships with the world. One is Mamala Kalalman, he fills every detail of the world, and one is Saiviv Kalalman, which means he encompasses the whole world. Doesn't mean he surrounds it, surrounds it means like like the you know the CEO, so to speak, who goes back and he looks at it like one book you know, you look at it from outside, your vision surrounds it all and includes it all, and it's all really one. You see everything as completely one. And this is really two visions of the world. Is it a fragmented world or is it a unified world? And both are true. On one level, it's very fragmented. I am I, you are you. On the level of Mamala Kalaman, there's a higher level of consciousness where there's Saiv of Kalaman, where it's all, all unified. This is all Hashem's energy, the way it's relatable to the worlds. The way it actually is relatable to, uh, to uh, the world. The same is true in every relationship. You're talking a marriage, right? There's, there's a marriage, the details of a marriage, and then there's the general rhythm of a marriage. You know, some people... In details, they're very, very good, but there's no, like, there's no energy. And some, there's, you know, a lot of energy, but if you need him for anything, you know, he's out for lunch. So it's, it's, it's really two, two relationships in almost any area. When it comes to Hashem, there's two relationships with the world. One is called Mamale, and one is called Seva. But that's not Kadmoini. Kadmoini is who he is for himself. 
the manager who runs the company, micro or macro, that's only his relationship to the company, but then he has his own life. His wife, his children, his soul, his heart, his hobbies, his maybe other ventures, and so on and so forth. You can't define a person exclusively by their job, even though we usually do that. You know? First question is, what do you do for a living? But we know that that's not really fair, because it's a job, it's a vocation, it's not the person himself. So, there is what's called kadmoini. Kadmoini is kivayachal, that which is transcends, it's not even relatable to the world. When we say Torah is mashal hakadmoini, Torah is a mashal also for that, for that kadmoini. That's what it says. Va'atoyda shenikna we're holding. Va'atoyda shenikna mashal hakadmoini. Page tzadik ches, the second column. Tzadik ches, the second column, the line that starts. V'lochei nikra kadmoini shalom. Around ten lines from the top. Va'atoyda, you see? Va'atoyda shenikna mashal hakadmoini. Ainu shatoyda he mashal lebchinas kadmoini shalom. Torah is a metaphor. It's a muscle to grasp the kadmoinoi shaloylam, that which is before it transcends and precedes all the worlds. This is an important expression. What's the function of a muscle? To illustrate the nimshal. It's hard for people sometimes to grasp the nimshal, so you give a muscle to illustrate it, right? When I wanted to speak about Mamali and Soiviv, I could have just spoken about it in spiritual terms, but I spoke about a company and everybody woke up. Because everybody has issues in their own companies, right? <laughs> Some people don't have any vision what's going on, and other people have only vision, but they don't have somebody to actually make sure that somebody shows up in the company. So this is a, it's a marshal, and the marshal is always, never as, uh, as abstract as the nimshal, because the point of the marshal is to give you a yacht, to give you a handle to be able to Trace it back to the idea. When a person has Talmud so he can experience a revelation from the light that comes from the infinity itself, that which is beyond Saivav, beyond Mamali, which is completely not in the realm of worlds, not Hashem's energy as it relates to the worlds even on the level of Saivav, but his intimate self, that's what Torah gives us. And he's going to explain how. So in other words, Hashem, who is Mamalakalalman, I could get a little glimpse of through what? Through science, through physics, through biology, through cosmology, through astronomy. When you study, Marabu Masecha Hashem, Agadlu Masecha Hashem, whether it's a plant, a flower, an ant, a bee, a tree, a star, a cell, a pinky, whatever it is, and you learn something about the the design, the wisdom, the brilliance, at least something of it, even though that itself we don't have, we can't really wrap our brains fully up. Even Saiv of Kalalman, which is already a far larger picture, but at least it's relatable to the world, so you could learn about it from the worlds. But we have no Pesach. How do I know about your personal life? I know you from the business, Right? I know you from the books you write. I know you from the music you produce. I know from the houses you built. How do I know you? I don't know you. I can't know you unless you, you tell me. I, I don't know you. So we don't have a door to Kadmaini Shalayla. What's the door? What's the marshal? Marshal HaKadmaini. Marshal HaKadmaini. That is, that is Torah. That's why it's called marshal. Kihine. Now you're going to ask me a question. You've learned Torah your whole life. 
And uh, you know, you learn here. Today we learned about Muktza, about Achana, about a Beit Zishnal the Biyomtiv, about Shushan Purim, whatever it is. So he says, "Kihine ba Sagas Hatayda Yeshiribui Madregus Ein Kates Beilu Yacharilu." In comprehending Torah, there are infinite levels, higher and higher and higher. Kemoi Muhusa Hasagas Shebeganeid Natachten Ein Aroich LeMuhusa Hasagas Shemasigim Beganeid Nalyan. It's not just many levels. It's levels that are infinitely remote from each other. There are comprehensions that souls have when they're in the lower level of Gan Eden, Relative to comprehensions that souls have in the higher level of Gan Eden. It's completely different experiences, different realms. You can't compare them. That which you understand in Gan Eden Atachten is a marshal legabe that which you understand in Gan Eden Alien. It's like the comparison between a marshal and a nimshal. It's so much more descended, it's so much more tangible and on a much lower level. Like the comparison of a muscle relative to a nimshal. Then you could extend this, I said too, but there's infinite more, even higher than Ganeid Nalian. We say in Davani, Sela. Sela means forever. The Holy Ones every day praise you forever. What does this mean? Because every day you'll see something new. You'll see something more. Because there's always higher and higher. The Baal Shem Tev once said, On every question I can give you an answer. And on every answer I can ask you a question. So it continues to go and go deeper and deeper, higher and higher, and every level is a muscle. Legabe the level higher than it. Every level of comprehension, Legabe the Madrega higher is called a muscle, even though relative to that which was yesterday, it was a nimshal. This is the meaning of what it says by Shleima. Shleima spoke 3,000 mashalim. So the way we understand the Pasuk regularly is Shlomo had in his portfolio, in his mind, he had 3,000 stories and jokes and, and metaphors, you know, and he googled what he needed in his brain and he had, you know, he had everything on Muslim, he had 3,000 fabulous, fabulous Mashal. The Balatanya says, this, that's not such a Chiddush. There's other people who can have a lot of stories and Mashal. The Chiddush is, means something else. It means on every Indian he had 3,000 mashalim. Why on every union do you need 3,000 mashalim? Because he can explain it on 3,000 levels. Every union he needed 3,000 mashalim. That's what he's going to say. Pirush. I'll call Dover Medivrei Torah. On every word from Torah he had 3,000 mashalim. Tahainu. Shlaima could say like this. In Ganeidin Atachten, this is how you explain a shtikl Gemara. Ganeidin Elyon, you come to Ganeidin Elyon, is Dover Za'atzma, you be in your Ruch Niven Aliyos. The same Sugya, the same Vart. It's completely in a different realm. Completely a different realm. And the first realm is only like a metaphor, Lagabi, the second realm. Even though the first Vart is Lechayda, the whole Vart. No, when you realize the way they touch it in another place, that was only a marshal, it was only like a story to begin to process. On any nekudah in Torah, any sugi in Torah, 
he had 3,000 mashalim, what's 3,000 mashalim? He can explain it on 3,000 different levels, and each level becomes a mashal. Legabe, the level that's higher. Tadai chavart, huh? And he says, you think that's it? Shlomo only had 3,000. Really, the number is not 3,000. Really, it's Yahalulucha Sela. It goes on forever, for eternity. We say in the morning, His wisdom has no number. What does this mean? What does it mean? It means the Tfuna has no misper. There's no number to the Madregis of Hasaga Satayra. So this is really a very fabulous idea. This means that a person could learn Torah their whole life and really know it and master it and know everything, but really all they got was the marshal. <laughs> they just got the marshal. It's like they got, you know, I once gave a shia for a very long time, so it was like two hours. So I finished, somebody comes over to me and he says, by the way, your opening joke was very good. And it was a great compliment. I said, thank you very much. So really, it's basically they got the opening joke. What do I mean? I don't mean it as a joke, chas v'shalom. Every madrig is Torah, is holy, it's godly. But the point is, they have everything. But it's only a marshal. Without even knowing the nimshal. So it's like you know the whole story, you know the whole illustration, but you really know nothing of it in the sense that you don't have the energy of it, the nimshal of it. And then there's another b'china, and another b'china, and another b'china, and another b'china. And each one is legitimate. Each one is true. Shlaima Melech can articulate 3,000 levels. So now imagine you take any sugya in Chumash and Tanakh and Halach and Brais and Mishnah, Gemara, Rishonim, Achronim, Kabbalah, Nista, Nigla, whatever it is. Every Indian and Shlaima could show it to you the same concept on 3,000 planes. More tangible, more abstract, more abstract. And each one is just a lavush. It's a mushal, it's a parable to get to the next. It's like the building blocks to get to the next and next. That's why Torah is called a mushal. Now, I'm just going to give one little example for this. You'll just we'll have a little tfisa. Let's take Beishami and Beishilo. We're learning now in the Gemara about Beishami and Beishilo. So they're arguing constantly. They have hundreds of arguments between Shas and Shas. So let's take the most famous Machlech, is probably Hanukkah. Beishami holds that the first night you light eight candles, and each night you go down, and Beishilo says the other way around. So the Gemara says, Why? B'Shamay says, you look at the days coming in, and the B'Shamay says, you look at the days that left. So B'Shamay says, the first night of Hanukkah, we're still going to have eight coming, so we have eight. The next night, the seven coming, so seven. The last night is one coming. B'Shamay says, you look at the days that left already. The first night, we only have one day that already left, that started, that, that existed. So it's one, and the second night, you already have two, so it's two, and then last night, eight, and so forth. So at first glance, okay, it's a machlaikas. What's the logic behind the machlaikas? We said two ways, but why? Why does he hold this and he hold this? Right? So either you have an answer, most people, you know, you just go right there. Why? You're going to start asking a, a swada. Everybody, you know, you hear a machlaikas, some swada, okay. But why? Why? Why did Bishami woke up one morning? He said, I want to follow the days that come. And Basila says, no, 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 I follow the days that pass. Like, so, so where do we go with this? So even if we just stopped here, we learned to machlaikas. This is how... 
normal people, they learn the Gemara in Shabbos, and the Machlaikas, and the right? Halach is like Basil, so we do what we do. But the truth is, when we look at it from a deeper place, you say, no, Bishami and Basil are not arguing about Hanukkah. They're arguing about something else completely. They're arguing about a conceptual question in life. Okay? Lamashal, there's a Machlaikas and Masechta Chagiga. Bishami says, heaven was created before earth. Beth Hillel says, earth was created before heaven. Why? Beth Shammai says, it says, B'reish is bari l'kim as ha-shamayim, v'sarit. Beth Hillel says, it's not true, there's a Pasuk later, Eila told us, right? What's the Lashon? B'yoyim asoyis ha-shem l'kim, Eretz v'shamayim. Eretz, come shamayim. Okay. So you say, what's the argument? Bishamai decides this Pasuk, Beth Hillel didn't know the Pasuk, Bishamai didn't know the Pasuk. They knew Tanakh well. So again, you could say, fine, there are heaven, earth, earth, heaven. And is it connected to Hanukkah? But now let's, let's, take, let's, let's take it one step deeper. See, Bishameh and Bishillel have another argument. They have another few hundred, but I'm just going to give one more example. Uh, at the end of the whole Mishnayis in Uktzen, the question is, a fish, a fish, for when is it Makabal Tumah? When is it a food that can be makabal tumma? Rabbi Shammai says, Mishayitsoidu. Once you trap it, once you put it in the net, it's already makabal tumma. Basil says, Mishayamusu. Not when it's in the net. Sometimes it could live for another minute or two minutes, whatever it is. Only when it dies, that's when it's makabal tumma. Okay, why? Again, another argument. But let's see, all these three arguments are really the same argument. You have in the beginning of Brachas. Uh, the question is, you start reading Kriya Shema at night, what's the deadline to read Kriya Shema at night? So there's three opinions. You could do it till the morning, you could do it till midnight, which is the halacha, or you could do it, Rabbi Eleazar, who was a student of Beishamai, at Soif Ashmura Rishayna, the first section of the night, no more. So the Gemara says, why? Because he says, it says, Beshach Bechav Komecha. Beshach Bechav means when you're sleeping, or when you're going to sleep. If it means when you're sleeping, you can read it all night. We sleep all night. Some of us. If means when you're going to sleep, you don't go to sleep all night. I mean, we're not talking about a teenager. You're not going to sleep all night. You're going to sleep at night, and then you go, you go to sleep. So again, fine. But now let's just take it. The Alter Rebbe says there's 3,000 levels. Let's just go up, up one, not 3,000. <laughs> let's just go up one level. The argument really is... A very profound argument in life. What is more important? The potential of something? Or the actual implementation of something? And that's a very deep question. right? Who would you hire in your company? Or who would you take into your organization? Somebody who has unbelievable potential. Although in action, there may be some struggles. Or somebody, you know, potential. But in Lepoyal... They're pretty good. There's a way to look at it this way. There's a way to look at it this way. What does halacha attribute more significance to? What's inside of you? Or what actually comes out? Do you look at everything from the place where it is potentially? That's how I judge it? That's my main reality? Or do I look at, I don't know, potential. I look at actuality. What's happening right here on the ground? Potential, hopefully one day. What is more significant in your child? What is more important? What your child is doing or what your child can do? This is a very deep argument. 
And both are true in different situations. Beishamah and Beisil argued about this in the whole Torah. In the whole Torah. It comes Hanukkah. The first night. In actuality, you only have one night. But what is it a Yom Tif of? Hanukkah started. What is it? It's an eight-day Yom Tif. Or to put it even a little deeper, the oil burnt, right? Only an eighth of the oil burnt. Why? Because the potential of the oil was increased eight times. So what usually takes to burn a night, only an eighth of it was consumed. So if I look, what was left in this oil? The potential. In this oil's potential for eight days. But what burned tonight? Only one. In actuality, I only had fire for one night. In potential, what do I have in this oil? I have fire for eight days. But Shammai says, tonight you light eight. Tomorrow night, what do you have left in the oil? Seven potentials. You light seven. The next night, six. Rebeleza says, you're going to sleep. You're sleeping, but it's going to sleep. That sets the tone. We all know how you go to sleep, right? How you lay down to sleep. Once had a teacher, he once said that uh, in Shulchan Aruch, the end of Shulchan Aruch, the beginning of Shulchan Aruch, he says, you should wake up like a lion to serve Hashem, right? Five o'clock in the morning, he's Gabekari. So the Ramah says, and before you go to sleep, you should say Krishma Shalamitis. He said that should have been at the end of Shulchan Aruch, right? Not in the beginning. The beginning is when you wake up. So he says, the pshat is, <laughs> If you go to sleep like a dog, you can't wake up like a lion. Right? So it's always about how you go to sleep. That's Rebbe Lezer. Now you trap fish. You trap fish. Once you put the fish in the net, it's not dead. But it's going to die. It's not dead. But Hillel says, it's, it's still alive. But Shammai says, this is not called life. I call potential. Heaven precedes earth. In everything, what comes first? The heaven or the earth? What's earth? Earth is the actuality. Heaven is the potential, the, sp- the spiritual energy of it. What's behind the actuality? What's behind the Misa? Beishamai believes you look at Bekoyach. Beishillel believes you look at Bekoyach. Today it says that Allah is like Beishillel. Allah is going to be like Beishamai because you're going to be able to really match the Poyal to the Koyach. Today if you're going to wait for potential to come out, and you're only going to look at potential, so it could be very, uh, it could be, uh, it could be disappointing, it could be, it's too, it's too of a great level of perfection, and so forth. So here we have a tangible concept, there's one Indian in Torah, you can learn your whole life, and it's good learning, right? What do we do? We took the same Achleikas, and we, we uh, removed it from the detail of Hanukkah or Krishna, and we traced it back to its fundamental thoughts. And here it becomes a question that relates to almost everything in life. It relates to a shidduch. It relates to education. It relates to hiring people in your company. It relates to almost everything in the world. Potential versus implementation. Heaven versus earth. Ruchnis versus Gashmias. Internal versus external. And what, what wins, what's more important and so forth. You have this machlaikas by them dozens and dozens of times in different areas, different situations, different concepts. What happened here? The same Torah. Now you see the physical halach is just a mashal. Hanukkah, Krishna, trapping fish. It's a mashal. Of course it's a halacha. But it's really a mashal. It's just the, the packaging of the idea. A mashal means packaging. Packaging is not the substance. Packaging is the way you present the substance. So all of Torah really is packaging relative to substance. 
But the, 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 the interesting thing is, what's really substance is packaging relative to the higher substance, which is really packaging relative to the higher substance. And so you trace it back deeper and deeper and deeper to the highest levels of reality, all through Mamali and Soiviv, and it's all a mushal. Shloy Mahamelech could do this on 3,000 levels. That's a chiddush. It's not that he had 3,000 stories up his sleeve. It's not he had 3,000 stories. This was Shloy Mahamelech's chiddush. Shari, middle of the Maimir here. You remember what we spoke about yesterday? It's a new crowd from yesterday. The Nimshal and the Mashal. The Nimshal and the Mashal. Bishamay Basil, right? Shlomo HaMalech, 3,000 Mashalom. Yeah. I don't have the place. I don't have the Let me see what you have, because I'm using a different one. Should be page... Page, page 195. Tzadik Ches. So the Nekuda, the Nekuda here is as follows. Shloy Mahamelech, it says, spoke Shloishas Allah and Marshal. So the Baal Hatanya, the Altir Rebbe explains the meaning of this, not that he had 3,000 stories, metaphors, illustrations, parables up his sleeve, and on any given subject he can just, you know pull out like a magician, oh, I have a story for this, I have a metaphor for this. They say the Dubna Magid, you know, he was a master of Mashalim, he had a marshal for everything. So somebody asked him, how do you find a marshal for everything? He says, I'll give you a marshal. <laughs> <laughs> and he actually gave a marshal, a very brilliant marshal, you know his marshal, right? He says, uh, the archer is pra- practicing, uh, you know, uh, target shooting so uh, somebody was impressed because they saw that this fellow you know every single arrow mamish went into the designated target into the circle and he didn't miss one so they asked him I don't understand how how he says most people there's first a circle and then you shoot either you miss or you don't miss or you get it what I do for first I shoot and then I make the circles around the arrow. So I'm always, always mechavan. He says, I don't start. I have a marshal. <laughs> I have a marshal. <laughs> and then, you know, we, uh, we connect. We connect. You have to draw something around it, so I draw something around it. It's not that I have a marshal for everything. I have a marshal, and then everything becomes part of the marshal. So that's not Pshat and Shleim HaMelech. What Pshat and Shleim HaMelech is, Vaidabah Shleishas Halof and Marshall actually means that Shleim HaMelech explained, understood Torah on 3,000 levels. Meaning, a Marshall is the package. You present something in a packaged way so people to understand it. Then they get to the Nimshal, which is the substance. But in Torah, every Marshall... Every, the mushal is a mushal for a nimshal. The nimshal is a mushal for a higher nimshal, which is a mushal for a higher nimshal. Deeper and deeper, 3,000 madregas. And that's how you have to understand Torah. When you're learning Torah, the Torah could be, Shlomelech could explain it on 3,000 different levels. Every nekudah in Torah means every halacha, every mishnah, every shtikl gemara, every posik, every mitzvah, every story. You can explain it on one level, and it's real. But that's really only a marshal 
to a deeper understanding of Torah, which is only a marshal for yet a deeper understanding of Torah, which is only a marshal for yet a deeper understanding. 3,000, and he says it's not 3,000, it's really infinite. But Shleimah HaMelech could grasp and explain it in 3,000 ways. That's what 3,000 marshal. It's not that he said 3,000 mashalim, he said 3,000 efanim, and each one is a marshal that be the one higher. And finally, marshal 3,000 was a marshal for the substance which would be 3,001, so to speak. Is that a guzman, or is that Matthias of Shalom? I don't think it's a guzma at all. 3,000 I don't think it's a guzma at all. I don't think it's a guzma at all. So I gave one example yesterday, that you learn by Shammai and Basilil, right? you could learn it on one level, and then you look in some of the Sfarim, and you see that it's really a conceptual argument about potential versus actuality. And all the, meta, all the cases are simply like metaphors, they're just... They're just illustrations, they're just packaging the idea. But often we just see the package, and sometimes we get hooked on the package, we don't see anything else. And in many ways that's what learning is often, you know, you just learn it and and then you go back and you see it's the same idea, but it's just a different perspective, and deeper and deeper and deeper, until you get to the source. Well, science is the same way. You're constantly finding a deeper common denominator between different circumstances, and have a deeper understanding of reality. Yeah, you can say like this is a table. You can say this is some, you know, this is atoms comprising of, you know, the structure. It's both true, you know, and you can go even deeper and deeper, right? Yeah, and even you go to subatomic particles. The atom itself is made up of stuff, and then there's subatomic particles, right? And it's a sub-sub, and etc., etc. And then quantum mechanics, (laughs) and then you go crazy. And it's all true. You're right. It's all true. It's all. It's all true. It depends what are the instruments, what the instruments you're using. The same is true in Torah. In fact, because it's in Torah that way, that's why it's in the world that that way. And each level, in a way, is a muscle. In other words, what do we mean? It's a muscle. It's a prelude to get into that. Now, fine. Isn't that they say like uh, like our hand, like the Seyyid Hashem, our hand is only like a muscle of yeah. what the real hand is? Right? Yeah, yeah. The Baal Shem Tev says that all Ava is a muscle. The reason Hashem gave put love into the world is He wanted to give us a muscle for the love that He has to us. Yeah. 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 Very good. Who says that? Now, Torah, it says in Zayar, Torah comes from Chachma. The line starts Misper. Page Tzadik Ches, column 2, the line starts Misper. Litvunase ain't Misper. Now, Eraisa, it says in Zayar, comes from Chachma. Vihi Makr Vishayrish Lechol Pchines Haasagis Hanal. This is the source to all of these grades, these levels, these pchinnas of understanding Torah, of hasagas of Torah. So this Chachma, Hashem's Chachma, it's known as Chachma Ilah, the source of Chachma. This Chachma, 
In other words, Hashem's Chachma, the way it's expressed in its highest form, that's the source of all of the levels of understanding Torah from the highest, all the way down, Shloshas Halaf and Mashal, infinitely, from the highest all the way to the lowest, most simple, concrete, physical understanding of Torah, the lowest Mashal. That's the Eden. The river stems, the river flows from Eden. The river represents the Bina that flows from the Eden, from the source, which is Chachma. Now Chachma, that's a marshal for something else, for Kadmain. Marshal Kadmain. So no, first he explained Torah itself. The Asagas HaTorah has... Madregis ein kets. The way they understand it in Elam Hazaganaidna Tahtanganaidna Elyin, three thousand levels, until you reach the source of all of them, which is Chachma of Hashem, the way it's expressed in its highest form known as Chachmailah, and that's the source of all the levels of Asaga. That is a mushal for what's called Kadmaino Shalila. What do we say Kadmaino Shalila means? Hashem the way he is completely within himself, transcendent, both of Mamala Kalam and Ensev of Kalam. Even though the divine energy is exalted infinitely, even from Chachma, even Chachma does not describe him, all the ten attributes, which begin with Chachma, the Zayar calls them the secret of the holy name. In other words, all the ten kaiches of Hashem are called His name. The name, name is very important. Because it would be like the name that you call a person, which is not Negeya to His essence. It's external. In other words, I don't need my name in order to speak to myself. The function of my name is that you should be able to identify me. That's what a name is. Even when we say in English, he has a good name. What does it mean he has a good name? The way people perceive him, his reputation is positive. He has a bad name, he has a great name, he has a very bad name. What's the concept of a name? If you were living alone on an island in yourself, you don't need a name. I don't speak to myself in the morning, I say, okay... You know, Jacobson, it's time to get up, it's time to eat. I know myself, I speak to myself from myself. If you want to speak to me, right? If you want to speak to me, we have names. So the function of a name is to be able to, it it allows us to be relatable to the other. Technically, what does this mean spiritually? Every person has two dimensions. There's you and your name. Your name is the way you're experienced by others. You is you. There's a famous medrash that every person has three dimensions. There's who you are, there's who you think you are, and there's who others think you are. And the three are usually not the same. There's who you are, there's who you think you are, that's your name relative to yourself, how you call yourself, right? And, but it's also how you call yourself. And then there's how other people call you. So the name really represents how I experience you. Now what I experience of you has very little to do with you. It's fascinating, right? If you ask somebody, what do you think of me? And they'll tell you what they think of me, and it's like, it has nothing to do with you, or it's just a very little part of you. You're saying, like, the name isn't like... Their concept name. of a name. Right, but, but the actual name, I thought Judaism believes that the name is the essence of the person. Right. So that's the whole, like, father gets Rach HaKodesh, so to speak, you know, like, when he gives the name. That's who you really are. Right? Right. say, you should change your name. It's a good question you're asking. It's a good question. You're saying that the name is necessary for you, Right. The name is necessary for you. The function is because that's why it's your name. Everything the person is about that. Huh? 
personal right we're talking here about the function the function of a name the function of a name in that sense right the function of a name is for another person to relate to so he says when we speak about Hashem's name that's exactly what we mean when we say Hashem's name that's exactly what we mean it's the way he's relatable the way he's experienced the way I will define him so when you say Hashem has spheros chesed gvur teferis it's called raza deshma kadisha it does not capture or embody, or reveal the essence. So how do we say Chachmeila is Mashal HaKadmoini, a Mashal for what? For Kadmoinoi Shalaylam, which is beyond the name. Mikal Makayim, Ein Seif Baruch, Ein Seif Baruch, Hushayim, Eslabesh B'Chachmeila. Nonetheless, the energy, the presence of the Infinite One, dwells in Chachmeila from all the spheres. Kamay Shekasev, as the Pasuk puts it, Hashem bechachma, Havaya bechachma yasad aretz in Mishlei. So the Remez al Pichsidus is that Havaya is expressed in chachma more than the other spheres. The point here is that chachma is a unique attribute, different than all the other attributes. All the other attributes have an ego. Chachma, by definition, is egoless. What is chachma? Bina is comprehension, das is application, chesed is love, gvur is discipline, tiferes is empathy. Netzach is competitiveness, Hoid is uh, submission, surrender, Yisoyed is bonding, Malchus is royalty, leadership, confidence. You got all the translations? Okay, fine. But not, it's not, I just, I want to bring out what Chachma is. What's Chachma? Chachma is a very unique concept. Chachma in English would be conception. Like conceiving, a, a conceiving uh, the conception of a fetus, the conception of an idea. A person is confused about something. They're reading the text again and again and again or, or, the, or the documents and they don't get it. And then suddenly you're walking in the street or you're sitting on the couch or you're, you're doing something else and there's a boom, you know? Like a flash, literally like a lightning. Epiphany. An epiphany, yeah, literally an epiphany. Um, Edison said that uh, all inventions is uh, 99, is, he said 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. So we could perspire and perspire, but the inspiration, the insight, that's chachma, it flashes. It just comes into you and you got it, you got it. It's still very seminal, it's still very nebulous. It's just a seed, mamisha seed. It's just you conceive the seed, but that's it. Now Bina develops it. What allows us to have those flashes? What allows us to have those flashes is the humility that we have. You'll see that those flashes will only come in when you're not trying when you're not expecting you're actually completely glued to the concept and you don't even realize you're glued to the concept in other words there's no you because there's no I so you create an empty space for the concept it comes from somewhere else yeah. it comes what's called the subconscious what opens you up that there's no, there's no intellectual ego it's a matana no? it's a matana but it's a matana that you cannot you cannot uh, make it happen, but you could open yourself up to it, oh and then God, it happens. Huh? Like all matanas should be. So I heard that. See, love the Ovid Neichel and Einfall. Huh? Einfall. Einfall. Because it falls in? Einfall. You make the space for it. But you have to make the space. You have to remove the walls of the ego. Because Chachma represents it, Chachma is a keli for Ein Seif, for pure infinity. Even though it's an attribute and therefore it's a name, but Chachma has in it the quality that it's open, it's egoless, so it can capture something beyond it. If I don't employ Chachma, I will never be able to comprehend an idea that transcends me. 
because a seven ounce cup can't take water that's a hundred ounces and every brain has its ounces, its parameters Chachma is, I become frustrated with my own understanding and I just let go and I open myself up completely and that's when it can flow in and that's why he says that Oyrein Soif can dwell somewhat in Chachma Ilah, even though Chachma is also an attribute and in that you're not going to say it's God himself it's God's part of God's name it's Rezun Yishma Kaddish since Torah comes from Chachma Nikras Moshel Hakadmoini the Kamoi Amoshel Afal Pishenim Amuhusanim Shalim Kolza Klau Im Kolza Hanimshel Malubish Betoicha Moshel Uboi Val Yadei Davki Asigu Hanimshel the Moshel is not of the same essence of the Nimshel the nimshul could be an idea, and the mashal you're talking about a physical thing. It's not of the same fabric. But nonetheless, the nimshul is enclosed. It's, it's expressed through the mashal. Through it, you'll get the, the nimshul. Chachma and Torah is like the mashal for the ultimate truth. Even though, even though the ultimate truth of God is not of the fabric of Chachma, it's like mashal agabe nimshul. This could be gachmi, this could be ruchni, it's completely remote. But somehow the nimshal is expressed through the mashal. And the mashal captures the nimshal. And the mashal is the only way to get to the nimshal. He, he dawns himself with light like a tunic. Oy refers to Torah, Torah Oy. So it's like a lavush, it's like a tunic, it's like the marshal. He's malubush in it. Torah is his lavush, it's his salma, it's his, it's his shirt, it's his tunic. And hence the learning of Torah allows the person to benefit, to enjoy, to experience a glow from the infinity itself, from Kadmain Shaloylam, through Eisekater. So this is a fascinating thing. First of all, Torah has infinite levels of comprehension. That itself. You have 3,000 levels of Shloim, and this is all still understanding Torah, all rooted in Chachmeilah, infinite levels of Tfuna. And then, after all that, there's something else in Torah. The Torah also captures something of God Himself who is beyond any relationship to the universe itself. Kadmoiner shalaylam, like a marshal. That's why the the pasuk calls it marshal hakadmoini. It's a marshal for kadmoiner shalaylam. The zel shamer. You're learning again, even a tachtam. You can experience that, right? Even if you're three thousand mishalom away. Yes, 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 yes. Of course, the higher one goes, there's more sensitivity to it. But essentially, this uh, this is at every level of Torah. There's an element of kadmoiner shalaylam that comes. That comes through. This is what Chazal say. Fortunate, the Gemara says, fortunate is the one who comes to Ganeiden with the Talmud in his hand, and he asked the beginning of the Maimer that in Ganeiden you're learning about Ruchnius. So how does the Talmud that we learn here, which is physical, help you for Talmud in Ganeiden? It's a whole different experience because in Ganeiden when they learn Torah. It's everything is on a spiritual level. The main thing of Gan Eden is Nen and Meziv The Talmud is halachas that deal with a physical egg or a physical cow. How does that help? So he says, the Kemoi ben Nimshul Amashul, Iyev Shal Amadalan Nimshul, Imlay Shayavan Mitchilas Amashul, Azayudez Ayamadalan Nimshul. Vim Yechsem Alahasig Ezidvarim Amashul, La Yuchalahasig Esan Nimshul Kla. A real Mashul and Nimshul, without the Mashul, you won't comprehend the Nimshul. In other words, you need the marshal, and you, if you're missing a, prat, a real good marshal, the details are mirrors of the nimshal, so if you're missing a detail of the marshal, you're not going to be able to capture 
the nimshal. Something is off. Something is off in the understanding of the nimshal because you didn't get it. A real powerful mashal is all-encompassing. It's nuanced, and every detail expresses another facet of the nimshal. Al All of Torah is really a mashal. That's what Torah is. It's a parable. It's a metaphor. It's the instrument through which you can ultimately see and perceive a deeper nimshal and ultimately only that's why when you get the mashal well then you'll be able to see the nimshal. Then you'll be able to perceive the noyam Hashem lahasbiya betzachtzuchus nafshei a pasuk in Yeshaya to satiate his soul with with purity, with clarity, with light. Mashenkin kshem beyadei hamashal ein loyderech lahasuk pchinas hanimshal hanal. He comes up there. He wants to understand higher levels of Torah. He wants to understand the nimshal, but because he's not bolakan with the mashal, so therefore. He won't be able to really experience the nimshal because you have to go through the mashal to get the nimshal. That's why the Chazal say, "Call me Chef Somebody has a moment that he doesn't learn, so it's Dvar Hashem Bozitz Karis. He asked the beginning of the Maimah, "How bad can it be?" You didn't use a moment for Torah. We know there's Jews who don't have to learn more than, say, a chapter in the morning, a chapter in the evening, Krishna in the morning, Krishna in the Yotzeh, because they don't have more time. They have to do what they have to do for their family, for their work, whatever it is. So how can it be that somebody who does have time, if he's ain't a Yotzeh Torah for another Jew, he's completely fine. In other words, for him, it's not a problem. For this Jew, if he has a moment, he's not Yotzeh B'Torah, it's such a gewalt. What's Pshat? V'inyin, he says, Kamayal derech dugma b'nimshul amashul shalamatu shabaseichalada. Take taka a mashal. <laughs> Give a mashal. Take a mashal of a nimshal and a mashal by a person. There are ideas that you could get it through one marshal, simple, easy, you got it. There's other ideas, in order to comprehend it, you need more than one marshal. And the marshal itself is deeper and higher and loftier. It's not easy to be able to get the nimshal, unless you have a lot of elaborate and complicated mishalim. He says, Just like all ideas are not the same, different ideas need different mishalim. Not all souls have the same comprehension. There's infinite levels. The Gemara says, Every tzaddik gets burnt from touching his chavar's chuppah because... There's boundaries, there's my chuppah, and there's your chuppah, you touch another chuppah, you get burnt. It's not for you. Therefore, somebody that says, it means for his nimshal that he's going to experience in Gan Eden, this mushal is enough. The Hashgacha made it that this metaphor is enough. If life doesn't allow him more, this means that for him it's sufficient. Somebody who has the ability to learn more. This demonstrates that his soul 
is sensitive, it's fine-tuned to be able to comprehend far more. So his marshal has to be large and elaborate. That's expressed in the time that he has to learn. And if he abuses, he squanders part of that time. So he's listening the marshal that he needs in order to be able to experience from the nimshal of Torah and from godliness, what he'll be able to experience. Okay, so now look at this. So how do we learn the Gemara? You have a moment to learn Torah. You don't learn. Penalty, death, premature death, extinction. Rebbe says, understand it deeper. Hikaris tikaris. The haino machmas chisarin shechasim abchines moshal akadmoini la yucha la hasig noyam Hashem shuanimshal. The soul gets cut off from the intimacy it could have experienced because you didn't give your soul the moshal it needed to get that nimshal. Hikaris tikaris hanefesh. You had that ability to be able. To have that relationship, to be able to experience that noyam Hashem, to be able to experience that vacus through the muscle, and you didn't. So you're cutting off a part of your soul. You're not allowing it to be able to experience that kadmoyne shalom, that noyam Hashem. Why? Because you didn't hurt of it with the muscle as much as as much as you could have. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.